0: episode of the 40 Culture Podcast, soccer podcast for us, by us, still talking about intersection of black culture and soccer. Got your boy here, Grego, here. Once again, we do not have a episode of our own this week, but we did not leave you empty handed. Uh, we're still uh, recovering and getting things together from our trip up to Charlotte this past weekend. We uh, had the opportunity of covering Charlotte FC's first home game uh, this past weekend uh, against LAFC. Got a chance to chop it up with a lot of great people, meet a lot of great people. And uh, we will be giving a recap of that on next week's episode. We're actually going to have a guest from the uh, Charlotte FC. Uh, We'll uh, be able to give you more details on that. Uh, probably earlier on ne- next week, but we didn't leave you empty handed as far as this week's episode goes. Uh, on, th- on this past Thursday, um, our bro at Connecticut FC, Yogi, uh, had us, me, uh, host a um, Black supporters uh, roundtable. Um, people from both the Black and Asian supporter community, while uh, we had a chance to chop it up with them, basically get their perspective on things as a As individual groups, um, their growth in the community, their challenges to the community, and and their goals and dreams and and all that. And I think that uh, what we were able to uh, get out there was was really... Really great and really pivotal, uh, and I hope that you guys enjoyed. i mean, we're we're giving you uh, the episode that, that we recorded here on audio form, but I would strongly recommend that you check this out on YouTube. There's two ways to uh, to check this out. One, you can go to our uh, YouTube channel the FTC UTD YouTube channel and you'll see it under the crossover episodes playlist you'll uh, you'll see uh, the video listed there or you could also go to the can I kick your FC YouTube channel and check it out there as well it's also awesome available on there reason uh to check out there as well of course once again shout out to yogi for allowing us to host uh, uh this roundtable to be able to engage with everybody some voice that you have heard on the podcast before some are brand new and we hope that you uh give give those guys and um on your, uh, your support as well uh of course you can still check uh check us out we'll be back next week with uh, with our special shot episode uh Try to think like what else I can tell you right now. Of course, uh, still getting that ready. Of course, make sure that you get your jerseys laced up at FTCUTD.com. If you haven't done so already, like I said, we got some, we've been posting some hot shit lately. So again, if you haven't done so already, make sure you get us Because yeah, we're in our back right now. That's all I can really tell you on that. But again, if you if you do listen here, we appreciate it. But yeah, like I said, definitely. Check out the people on, um, that we discussed uh, with on YouTube. So you should see our faces. You can see like sadistic my conversation there. But um, anyway, I hope that you enjoy enjoy your games this weekend. hope that you uh, get out there and get about. We'll check out next week. As always, the coach is real. The coach is everywhere. And literally, you will see that in this manifestation with this episode. So enjoy. We'll holler at you later. We now join our roundtable already in progress. Here to the most yogi's best messing best enough. Let's go down the bottom. Uh, ma'am, hi, how you doing tonight? Introduce yourself.
1: Oh, hello. Can y'all hear me? Yes, ma'am. All right. What's up? I'm Sky from Shea Butter FC, um, the podcast. About two black women's perspective on uh, football culture and everything in between. Um, so yeah, I'm out here.
0: What what uh, what? group? So, so are you rapping?
1: Oh okay. Oh, in the background you can see AC Pandemonium for Angel City SC. Um, but then just out here in general.
2: We're
0: we're glad to have you on. Next up, we got Josh Tigers LAFC. What's good with you, boss? What's up, family? This is Josh. Um,
3: I'm representing Tiger supporters group out of Koreatown, Los Angeles. And I'm um, really happy to be here, guys. I, I've, I've been able to, to talk to Greggo and Sky and Doug and my, my big, my big, my big bro, Jake over there. So, um, yeah, really
0: happy to get to know you guys more. Indeed, indeed. And on that note, uh,
2: big Jake, what's, what's happening with you, man? Hello, hello. Thanks for the invite on here. It's super cool to see everyone in one place. You didn't want to introduce yourself? Let you know who you are. are, you, are you, I you're not shy. Know your <laughs> I'm a co founder of Black Fires for uh, Red Stars and Chicago Fire and every pretty much every other team here in Chicago. So.
0: Cool, cool. Glad to have you on. Next up is the living legend, Kurt McGirt. Kurt Jenkins, what's going on with yeah. you, boss? Not too much. Uh- Founder and former
4: president of Footy Mob, now repping the uh, Canadian chapter of Footy Mob here in the wild.
0: <laughs> cool, cool, cool. And new to the stage, we got Riss from Rose Room. What's up, lady?
5: Uh, not much going on. I am one of four co-founders of Rose Room Collective for D.C. United and the Washington spirit from the NWSL.
0: And, and Wither is also... Doug from Rose Room. What's good, boss?
6: Hey, hey. Yeah, with Riss, we helped co-found Rose Room Collective, representing DC United and the Washington Spirit, and I'm excited to be here with everybody.
0: Cool, cool, cool. Uh,
6: next up, we got uh, we got some new kids on the
0: block. We got Jermaine from Black Harris down in Miami. Y'all, like, brand new on the scene. What's, what's up, man?
7: <laughs> brand new, brand new. What's going on, everyone? Uh, my name is Jermaine. I'm one of the co-founders of Black Herons down here uh in Miami.
0: Uh, excited to be here, excited to be a part of the movement. Cool, cool. And last but not least,
8: we have got Brian, uh from the mixtape in Nashville. What's good with what you, man? Hey, what's going on everybody? It's Brian here, Mixtape six one five. I am the acting president of the organization and um we're glad to be a part of the conversation. Um we need to do more of this as being black supporters and networking and connecting and having round tables so i'm happy to be here now now te- technically
0: i i did not intentionally uh made it forget kyle yogi told me don't mention ford but you know it's it's all gonna mean you know rivals state rivals i get it but uh what's, what's good with your boss
9: i'm good hello everyone i'm kyle carr i am one of three co-founders for featherstone flamingos for ford madison fc so myself april kagea and chris fox uh yeah, and I, I'm sure that was the instruction that Yogi gave you. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad to have everyone on tonight. Uh,
0: again, it's um uh, we try to have have this um, roundtable conversation at least once a year. Try to get everyone around uh, the culture and just uh, you know chop chop it up and uh, talk about things that are going on within the supporter culture. As I think voices of color uh, begin to, um, uh, to to rise, that. They're under under underrepresented and everything, but uh, let's uh, kick this thing off uh, just to kind of open things up. Um, how did your supporter trip get started?
8: Right, so let's start with uh, actually let's start with uh,
0: uh, Brian.
8: So basically, mixtape six one five came together because. There was a feeling, right, um, among our particular supporter group collective that, you know, we needed kind of more representation. We needed more diversity. And um, essentially, Eric Brown, Brandon Taylor, a collective of four came together and decided that, you know, we really needed to represent um, soccer, which obviously we had a new expansion MLS team coming to town. We had a USL presence before that, but you know, we would go to matches, but, you know, we would be, you know, kind of specks <laughs> in the flower, right? Of, mm-hmm. um, you know, essentially the people that came out to watch and support the club, right? So we wanted to see some of that change. Um, uh, We've had different experiences in different SGs that preexisted the Mixtape 615, but um a group of people got together and they decided that, hey, we need to essentially represent Nashville, which is 25 to 28 percent, depending on the year, right? African-American. And we need to make sure that we tap into that community and we grow the sport. So that's really what we're here for. We're here to uh, grow the sport within our community, make a, you know, an environment where people that have our hue, melanin and skin can come out and enjoy the match just like anybody else in our community. So that's really where we started. And um, that's where we're going currently in 2022.
0: Oh, cool cool
8: uh josh uh tell
0: us a bit about about tigers of course uh uh you know tigers is primarily focused on korean uh, uh supporters out in la but yeah like i said y'all, y'all have a great story uh, tell us about it yeah man it's um you know it was
3: kind of the people who found it i was kind of the second wave of it but it was a mix of like the group of weird Korean kids who love soccer in LA and trying to figure out how we can make an imprint on the game. I mean, LA being a uh, majority minority city as, as is, like you have t- so many great cultures, but there's definitely we did feel like that kind of Asian Asian American voice was a bit underserved, and a lot of us were new to MLS in uh, as as kind of a field to to get a, get a part of. Um, but I think as we start to, to, to grow our supporters, supporter group from Koreatown, we realized that, um, the place, the neighbor that we, we all stayed at, that most of us lived at, was, um, you know, it was a, a good reflection of the city itself. So it was not only just Korean folk, but it was Vietnamese folks, it was, um, Latino folks, Latinx folks of all, of all different kind of national origins as well. And so, I think mixing in the Koreatown-ness, the LA-ness into what we, what we chose to originate as became really the nice wrinkle and how we evolved into, I think, a true representative of our little corner of LA. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's, it's, it's really come to, uh, we're, we're really listening and figuring out our place kind of in the larger, um, ecosystem of supporter groups. We're learning along the way, but at this time, I think we know we have a lot to, to offer and to share. But also, it's to stand in solidarity with a lot of um, kind of different underrepresented groups across that. So, listening a lot to the Black supporter group culture that's found here is super kind of pivotal to to what we're doing here uh, here in LA and trying to f- figure out how we truly embody and represent, uh, you know, our corner of Los Angeles, but also the larger footballing world here in the country. And how can we grow this game together?
0: Like that's what we're about, and that's what we're here to listen listen to and uh, hopefully learn from everybody here. Absolutely, and uh, I saw the comment on YouTube uh, from G- Giovanni Martinez. Uh, yes, that t- uh, South Korea tiger kit is the absolute shit. And, Appreciate that, yeah. And uh, but yeah, um, I'm 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 a bounce uh, between risks and uh, Doug because I definitely want to hear about uh, uh, Rose. Ramon. Uh, tell us about it. Do you want
5: to go first, Ed? <laughs>
0: Just flip the coin. And <laughs> Doug's on mute, but hey, we'll, keep, we'll make it work. Yeah, let's open it up like like this. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Russ.
5: Okay, so um, for me, Rose Room was actually brought to me by Doug. Um, I had never really taken into account, you know, being a person of color who is a really big fan of soccer, especially women's soccer, Um, And we actually met through the Spirit Squadron, uh, which is another supporters group for the Washington Spirit. And we actually met at the draft back in 2020. Um, And he brought this to me probably in December of 2020. And we kind of just had a conversation about, hey, like, how do you feel about starting a POC supporters group for the Spirit and D.C. United? Um, And I was like, yeah, I'm totally in for that because I really don't know any other people who are POCs who are into soccer like I am. Um, And I feel like it would be a really great safe space for a lot of people. So that's kind of how I got roped into Rose Room.
0: Come on, piggyback on that, Doug.
6: (laughs) Okay. I figured out how to unmute myself. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Myself and Aaron Bland, who he's not here, but he's, he might be watching tonight. We were kicking around this idea for a while of just like forming our own supporter group. And Personally, I had noticed all of the leaderships among these groups were almost all white and kind of to kind of how, um, Josh pointed out earlier, very much in a city that's majority POC. And I thought that can't stand here. I, I, that's got to change. So we literally took it upon ourselves to say, let's form our own crew. And that, that somewhere along the way, I met Riss and I invited her in. Hey, it was like, Hey, you want to be a part of this? And we formed this.
0: Yeah, um, I grew up a DC fan, and just from like the experiences that I had um, going to games at RFK, uh, that was something that actually influenced me as far as my experience uh, down here in Atlanta. And uh, and on that note, uh, of course, Kurt, we, you and I have, have gone back basically since, like, day one. I, I remember uh, seeing you and Stefan uh, at the brew house at the USA-Mexico game and, like, uh, tell us about how that got started.
4: I mean, for us, it basically started the day of the launch. Uh, we were there, we were with other supporters groups at the time and I think it's the same as everybody else here, where you just feel like you don't have your, your thing, you don't have your space. So we decided to make one and we were extremely fortunate. I mean, to be in a city like Atlanta, where Black culture is so integral to the actual city's culture, where it's not that heavy a lift. It's just part A straight into part B, and that made it so much easier for us to get the the ethos of Footy Mob out to people, and they were able to see it, latch onto it, and then join in if they wanted to and so it's just big for us to have that ethos in that city at that time
0: yeah um, and i'm liking that that background by the way that's uh that's that's very very nice and colorful and shout out to uh to doug's uh sweatshirt because you yeah, had uh dc statehood deputies to have 51st state holiday that um uh let's go with jermaine with uh black harris what's what's good man
7: yeah it was good um you know, to be honest, um, a lot of the ideas surrounding Black Herons actually came from a lot of the existing, uh, Black SGs that, that, that were already in place. Um, of course, uh, Featherstone, uh, you know, for the culture, Black Fires. Um, I've actually, you know, I actually reached out to them in, back in 2019, just trying to get a sense of, you know, what was, ha- what was happening in this Black supporter culture. Um, and so once, once Inter Miami launched, um, it became very evident <laughs> that a black supporter group uh, was needed, and so I uh, reached out to a few people uh, through Twitter. I was part of a couple of uh, Twitter uh, DMs, uh, Twitter groups uh, that were, uh, you know, supporters of Inner Miami. So I realized that there were a couple of black people in these groups. I reached out to them, and we kind of started, you know, talking about this idea of Black Herons, um, really in twenty twenty one. Um, and then we officially launched uh, this year. But in Miami, it's a little bit uh, different, right? I think um, what we're seeing throughout the U.S. soccer culture, right, is this kind of overwhelming whiteness of mm-hmm. U.S. soccer culture that a lot of the Black SGs are trying to fight against, are trying to not not even fight against, but just, trying again, trying to be more representative, right? And so um, in Miami, the soccer culture is very uh, Latinx, mm-hmm. right? And so... Even in that, though, uh, blackness seemed to have uh, been marginalized in the representation of the club. Um, and so it became very easy to just make a claim in Miami that has such a large black population, particularly the a, a, you know, Caribbean population and African mm-hmm. population. Right. Uh, just to tap into those communities that were already uh, very passionate about the game. Um, so, yeah, that's how that's how we got started. And it's, uh, it's been it's been uh,
0: going ever since. Yeah. Like. uh uh, the few guys that I, I knew down in Miami um, that I know were actively involved with in Miami. I was like, absolutely. Like a black group needs to happen. Like, like sooner rather than later. I mean, I kept saying like, uh, you know, reach out to Liberty city. Like, well, like call uncle Luke. somebody's like, like this absolutely has to happen. So I'm, I'm really glad that you guys are, are on the scene, uh, making it work. Um, Mr Payne, first of all, suns up. And uh what what's 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 good with uh, Black Fires.
2: I saw Kyle laughing. Don't say anything, bro. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh yeah, I mean I think our story is very similar to a lot of other people on here. Um it's me and my co founder Phil, who I know is watching. Uh he's gonna be texting me all sorts of dumb. Big shit. Phil. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean it it was the same realization that a lot of other people in this group had of uh, me and Phil going to these games, being in a city with such a big black population, like such a big influential black population and just going there and like being the only black people at the game. Just like, how is this possible? Like this really can't be it. Um, you see so many other cultures like here, like Polish, like Latin cultures, like, Brought forth through the game, like through song, through imagery and stuff like that. And like, I think black culture in Chicago gets the same kind of rap that we do of like, not really having the same space as everyone else. Uh, So we just got tired of that. And um, we are working to bring black imagery to bring bring black culture uh, and just like give white people a space to be themselves at these games where they're not feeling like um, they have to draw back to be able to be uh, accepted. So that's our that's our thing. <laughs> Shout out. Yeah, Shout man, out there Cal. he goes. <laughs> oh, man,
0: that's what's up. And, um, and then, of course, Stone, Cal. And, um, if, if for those of y'all who are watching that are in the state of Wisconsin, vote for April Carr, uh, whatever election day is. <laughs> what you got, Cal?
9: Yeah, so I think with Featherstone is a little bit of a different situation than everyone else, just because when we first started, that was in 2019, which was Ford Madison's first season. So there was already the Flock that was kind of starting. That was kind of the main, you know, SG that was kind of overseeing things. Shortly after Labara, so our they are the supporter group for folks that identify as Latinx. They had that started a couple months uh, after the Flock, mm-hmm. and then. That was kind of it. And for Chris, he was kind of thinking, well, this is something we would love to do. He brought up the idea to April and myself, and we were just like, yeah, let's go for it. So after a couple times meeting, talking about it, seeing what we wanted to do, we were kind of able to go with it. So for us, it was a little bit different just because at this point, you know, the season had just started. Everything was still pretty new. So it did give us the opportunity to kind of get a head start on it. You know, we didn't have to, like, look around and be like, okay something needs to change we are able to say let's go ahead and make that change ourselves so that's how we were able to start and how we were able to kind of build off of that with uh 2019.
0: Absolutely um I think I got everybody here so let's uh let's let's get this day, uh kicked off um uh, I guess the first question I want to ask everybody is like what demographic does your supporters group um serve in your community like, like who are you reaching out to let's open up, open up to everybody Well, I'm going I'm, I'm to start, start pointing people out. <laughs> you
7: know, like, don't be shy. Well, the way we kind of um, describe ourselves is that we're an all-inclusive Black supporter group, meaning that we're all-inclusive and that anybody can join, doesn't matter the race, gender, sexuality, or supporter group, right? Anyone can join, um, but you have to be committed to doing the work, right? So that's the Black part in Black supporter group, right? Is that we're focused on centering uh, Black culture, Black communities, um, black experiences. Uh, so for example, we're doing some work with Little Haiti. Um, they have a football club, Little Haiti FC. Shout out to them. Um, so just like little things like that. We're trying to, you know, again, make a presence in, um, different, you know, uh, just black, black pockets throughout, throughout Miami. So, um, the, you know, the, the focus is definitely, um, black culture, Black people, uh, and Black experiences. But anyone can join, right? That's kind of, you know, like a lot of people are like, what do you mean by all-inclusive Black? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, anybody, like, you don't have to be Black to support Black people, right? So anybody can join. Is that We're just centering the Black experience.
9: Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of echo that same thing with Featherstone. It's like, obviously, anyone can join. The biggest thing is you're doing, kind of like he would say, doing your part to promote, to celebrate, to help out the black community in Madison, you know, if that's, you know, promoting businesses, supporting black owned businesses, you know, trying to get black youth involved in soccer, or at least attending matches, or even just doing just being anti racist in general, like those are the things that we're trying to do. So while it is kind of ran, and you know, it's primarily April, Chris, myself, you know, making the calls doing what we need to do planning the events anyone is free to join anyone's free to help out as long as you are willing to put in that work to be that ally, uh, to the black community in Madison. What about, what about you, Josh?
3: Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of a similar ethic to us too, where we extend, um, the, we extend an invitation to everybody, but, uh, we make no qualms about centering the kind of Korean culturalness of it. And I think that's what, you know, makes kind of our, uh, our supporter group unique in its way. And I mm-hmm. think it's along the way, it's uh, been able to, as, as, um, Jermaine, you were saying before, like how we, how we choose to celebrate this stuff, right? Together as, as, as that people group, as, as all kind of intercultural, uh, kind of exchange going together. Like we've had, like, I think our, the demographics of our supporter groups, like hinge, um, kind of 50-50 in terms of like, uh, Korean, Asian, Asian American and Latinx. And then you have kind of pockets of, of our white, white supporters and our black supporters who are there, but it's definitely still uh, predominantly, uh, Korean, Asian, and let, uh, Latino. And I think in that it's what we found is that people are, um, people who want to learn more about kind of Asian culture and Asian cultural customs and the way that we choose to center, um, kind of our culture into soccer culture. Um, it's just kind of an open-mindedness. I think that's, that's really something that, uh, that no matter where, what our demographic is you look to in our community, like we'll have, um, we'll have the, the focus on that.
0: Now, I did not forget about you, Sky. Uh, I know you, you got your thing going on with, uh, with pandemonium. Um, so like, like what, um, of course, uh, with things with uh, NWSLA, like what demographic, like who, who are y'all, y'all typically targeting out in LA as
1: well? Um, I think it's inclusive to everybody. Um largely currently due to some things that happened earlier <laughs> last year not gonna get into but it's largely latino and asian um a couple of those black people up in there but um yeah it's pretty from what i've seen in the current ones that are existing um for the nwsl side the it's probably the most diverse of the SGs, in my opinion well no 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 take it back there's a couple of other ones but yeah, the in case of Pandemonium, it's pretty, it's half and half Asian Pacific Islander and then um, Latino. Cool, cool, cool. Um,
0: uh, just to uh, keep things going, like, what are some challenges that uh, that y'all have faced in, in building your uh, SG from the from the ground up?
8: Um, I guess I can speak as far as uh, Nashville goes, so. For Mixtape 615, one of the things that we had to really, uh, discover is that is mainly teaching the community here in Nashville what the porter culture is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're kind of the, the diehards, right? Not necessarily the casuals. Um, mm-hmm. we're the people that, you know, watch every match. We travel to away games. You know, we really, um, you know, kind of live and breathe the club, club itself, right? So I can say, at least from, um, our perspective, um that's one of the things that we've really had to work on um as our SG. Um I think we had a very good launch. Actually, our SG was birthed during Juneteenth of last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was very inclusive. Right. I mean, it was very educational, I should say. Right. So we had a lot of great support from all the SG's, the club itself. They had a huge party for us in the middle of, you know. a a predominantly black neighborhood. Right. So it was very educational. And, you know, we've been getting a lot of great support um, from the community ourselves. So I would say the challenges for us is mainly just uh, getting more people right to uh, kind of get fully involved into a supporter group culture and just kind of, you know, show that out in the community. But, you know, I can guarantee you from everybody we brought to one Nashville SC match, you know, we have them hooked instantly. It's a beautiful game, right? And mm-hmm. um, also being a successful club to this point, um, you know, has helped with that. So we really have to capitalize on that and grow. So I think our challenge is, you know, continuing to get people to the games, and we're working as a SG to get more of us at the matches, and then also uh, just to continue to be involved and visible in the community and doing uh, community initiatives.
0: Now her I think uh Mob is the oldest group um uh in, in the group here. So like um I know like we've talked about this before in the past, like uh what's the challenges as far as just finding us, um, you know, and trying to get and get and get us involved uh with uh with supported culture period and then also just you know building um the group. Mute.
7: Mute, mute, mute.
4: I think the biggest thing is the gatekeeper, gatekeeping.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: Because when you come to an experience, you're bringing all of your prior experiences. And American soccer has, by and large, had a certain party that they've always thrown. And it's the one that they know, someone they go to, it's the same songs every week. But now you have people coming in who listen to different music, dress a different way. They still want to party for the party doesn't quite look the same, even though there's still music, still all the same components. It's getting people to understand that it's not subtracting from what they do. It actually adds to what everyone is doing. Right. And there seemed to be a good bit of fear and hesitance, for lack of better terms, about letting people in and be their authentic selves and understanding that, you know what, learning something new doesn't actually hurt you it takes 10 minutes to give something an honest try versus an hour and a half of pushing back. And so getting past that hurdle, which was in some cases just continuing to exist, makes such a big difference. And I think that's the biggest barrier is for everyone in their city and their supporters sections. How do you get past that initial hurdle of, yes, I'm here. Yes, we're for real. No, we aren't going away. And by the way, we are now doing these things and there's nothing you can do to stop us from doing. It. I think once you get over that initial hurdle, it's all downhill. But it's getting that understanding that you are not going away. That is the biggest thing to to get people to buy into.
0: Gotcha. gotcha. So like you want to say something, Kyle, kind of what you got?
9: I guess. In terms of hurdles and gatekeeping, obviously, I think one of the biggest things, though, is people have been so used to soccer being so white that they haven't had a chance to come to the fact that there are others that are going to want to be involved in it. You know, obviously, it feels like every supporter group has had some issue when it came to the emergence of black supporters, when it came to the emergence of even just, you know, Asian or Pacific Islander cultures or Latin cultures. Like it feels like when they start getting more and more involved, there's been more pushback for a lot of these SGs, and a lot of it is because they've been so used to soccer being so white that all of a sudden it's like, well, hold on, it's the world's game. It needs to be represented by the whole world. So I think that's the biggest issue with the gatekeeping sign. And also people like the people that were in power want to keep that power. And whether they're still there or whether they've stepped aside, you know, you kind of see it. People always have their issues where that's not how we did things. Well, that's fine. Well, there's a lot of shit that we did do back in the day that needed to change. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing for people is coming to that fact of you can't have the status quo be the status quo. Or else you're going to look like an ass.
6: Um to add, if I can add on top of what Kyle mentioned, that's something we've kind of run into here because of the fact that more more on the DC United side, not so much on the spirit mm-hmm. side that DC United's been around since 1996. So you have all these SGs that have been around forever yeah. and have operated the same way and they've had all their dramas and stuff. And many people didn't even conceive of the idea of an SG based on marginalized voices. Like they couldn't even comprehend it. Right. So we still get questions of just like, why are we here? And I'm just like, well, probably. Yeah. I was like, this or like, why?
0: <laughs> yeah. I, was, I actually was about to ask you something still because I, I know like with with Chicago and DC, like they've been around uh, I know DC's been around since uh day one of MLS, Chicago came right afterwards. So you're dealing with cultures that have been around for twenty plus years. Like what's been uh, how's how's that challenge uh come into just trying to just bring it to a space that's been like, okay, we are we're blood in the soil. We're we're we we've been in this for, for years and how dare y'all say that something needs to change in the in, in, uh, in this space.
5: Yeah, I mean it's been difficult, especially on the DC United side. Like Doug said, we did get a lot of pushback from supporters groups saying, why are you doing this? Why are you not we're we're only a supporters group for POCs. So like Black Black Herons United, we are only inclusive to POCs. It's you can still support us and not be a POC. And I think that was really hard for a lot of people to understand, like, why can't I be a part of this group? You can still support us, but this is a safe space for POCs only.
0: Gotcha. 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 Um, this this question is kind of um, more so for for risk, Doug and Scott, cause I know the dynamic with NWS Cells is a little different from what. Um, was encountered in, in USL and in, uh, in MLS. Uh, like, what dynamics are specifically different in dealing with, uh, with with the women's
1: soccer space? Well, I mean, I'm gonna say, from my perspective, new to the SD scene, um, that well, one, this space has never had structure. Um, is still being developed, and then it's been overtly white, 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 white. Okay. So. White? White, extra white. So, like, the concept of... Like even MLS kit like, white? Like, ML- not even, white. like, white <laughs> on another level. Like, the new levels of white. It's levels mm-hmm. to it. Um, that you, first off, don't have teams in every city. And then for all the diverse cities, you still don't have... Like, you got teams in Houston, Orlando, which are largely... Uh, even New York, New Jersey, right? You got teams in largely diverse populations where you still don't have the fan bases that represent what the city looks like. You don't have as many supporter groups. Um, one, and then two, you don't have that tied necessarily back to the MLS side. Um, but I mean, just even. I, I don't, I don't, I think it could be easier to make a black supporter group in some cases, but then it could be hard because people aren't even recognizing the white supremacy that's rampant through soccer in the United States. And so, like, that conceptualization of even why you need a supporter group for people of color or whatever marginalized voice is going to fly over people's heads because they're not even understanding why the heck people were kneeling, you know? So, they're, there's, I mean, there's an opportunity for it to exist easier, but I mean,
5: I can foresee pushback. I don't know. What y'all think?
0: I'll, I'll let y'all answer first.
5: Um, I think for us specifically on the Washington Spirit side, it was really more open, and people were really excited about it. Um, so we never really got pushback, to my knowledge, and Doug, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but we never really got the pushback for it. And I think it's easy to say, yeah, we're going to do a supporters group. And you have to remember, this is all of our free time. We're all doing this for free. Like <laughs> this is not our full-time jobs. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think on the NWSL it is a little bit easier to make that group happen. It's just a matter of people wanting to do it.
8: I
6: think a lot of it for us was the fact that Fire's kind of set the stage for us in terms of the, 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 um, how to form it. Like, I just looked at what they were doing. And I was like, okay, why don't we have that here? It was a perfect setup for that. And I thought, let's cook that here. I do think about the fact that, um, women's soccer tended to reach out more to white suburban communities, richer ones out there. And it's very white. I'm going to be honest. All you got to do is like look at the demographics of the rosters of DC United versus the spirit. And one is way more whiter than the other.
0: True, true, true.
6: Stuff like and, that I think
0: about. Yeah, and of course, especially given how the past year has gone for the spirit. Of course, y'all had the, the highest of highs with winning the NW championship and of course the lowest of lows uh, with the ownership battle and um that have come out with the with the uh with the spirit of course. Team Kang all the way. All the way. Um but uh yeah, um Let's see what we what else we got here. Um, but yeah, like just a next question here, like like why do clubs struggle to market and embrace uh, um, black black Asian families um, at, at games?
2: Because it's not immediately profitable for them. Um, I think that's the thing we ran into here is whenever we would bring up. Oh, like you guys aren't really reaching out to the black community in the same way that you're reaching out to like college white kids and old white people here. Um, a lot of the pushback we would get is, oh, like they're not into it yet. Like that's just not true. (laughs) Like if you met anyone from the Caribbean or Africa, they're all about that shit. Like every time I met with my family, we'd have like a soccer ball in the backyard. Um, I think for them, they just haven't seen it from a club standpoint. They just, haven't seen the money returns to, like, get back what they they think they're putting in. But it's really not about that. You know what I mean? Like, I think everyone can agree here. It's not about the money. It's about long-term, like, you're doing the best thing for the game and you're doing the best thing for your community. So people have to separate those two.
0: Cool, cool, cool. Oh, what what you got, uh, Josh?
3: Yeah, you know what? I... I... I think the the kind of line we're trying to walk is like what is um how how is this how is this uh better than just a tokenism right like a cheap tokenism like I hey shout out like the the Asian nights where you get a cool hat right but it's like that's mm. usually where it stops and then Jake as you alluded to like people then the the front office will ask like where's our where's our financial reward from this community that we've given a whole day to and it's just it's it's very cheap because you realize that like when they reach out consistently have a relationship with like more more white majority college students and college campuses like that's a partnership an ongoing partnership that's not only that's not only like financially important to them but like it's important to longevity and stuff so that's always what we're trying to walk in it's really like i think that's something that has that's kind of helped us to see why we were necessary as as kind of a, a like an asian american or korea korea town centered group is that like You cannot tokenize us because we do this stuff every day and you can't point to us. You can't point to the community not believing in it because we live and we, and we bleed and we do this stuff for free. Like we, like we were mentioned before. So I think that's always the kind of, um, what's on my mind is always like, does this enhance visibility for all cultures in the game? And then secondly, like, how deep does this go? Right. How deep is that, that response going to be from the club? Like, what is it? What does, what will it take for them to, to, to realize that like, we deserve the same kind of partnership that they've given these institutions for decades and generations.
6: Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, uh, just to kind of piggyback on something that was said earlier, I think that the the challenges uh, that I think kind of come is in a lot of cases, uh, teams don't market to our neighborhoods. They don't They don't market to where we are. They think that you know. They had to go where the money is, instead of just like, just like, because you know, the the soccer fan base in this country is like, how many are really embracing MLS? How many are really embracing USL? How many are really embracing uh, NWSL? I think that, you know, like, uh, Curtis can tell you, like, even like here in Atlanta, like for for the amount of black faces that that are seen at United games, like. They're not they're not advertising south of twenty. They're advertising out in Athens and and not even going to Fairburn. Like it's nice down there. Plenty of black people. They're not advertising down there, but we still manage to show up. But I think in a lot of cases we get, we we end up having to just kinda of like like force our way into the the situation. And I mean, I think for the newer teams, it's probably easier for for them to kinda of at least embrace this to an extent, but like, like I said like that's why kind of um, a little like with DC and Chicago, like they've been around for so long. It's kind of difficult, like just for them to kind of understand that. Yeah, like there, there, there needs to be a space for us because black people are in the soccer, Asian people are in the soccer, even more Latinx people are in, are in the soccer. In you know, like that, that space need to, needs to be accommodated as well. Uh, see a comment on uh, from YouTube from k Seven One Eight. Uh, being in New York and seeing all single leagues in Harlem celebrate after winning AFCON, it's a shame New York City FC doesn't do better outreach to so many untapped communities. Um, I know like from from the people that I know up that way, <sighs> New York's a, a, a crazy beast because obviously New York City is, is so wide and diverse. In uh, a lot of cases, I think the perception is like, like with the West Indian community and African community, like, like they're not they're not bumping with MLS. They're not bumping with NWSL. But again, I, I think that for a lot of teams, like you have to – I don't think anybody's in a position where they can be like, hey, we, we've we gotten all that we can get, and more can always be done. So it's just a matter of the team stepping up and doing more to to uh, to reach out to more. Be invited and say, hey, we want you at, at a game. It doesn't matter if it's in – in Bronx or other day, like up, up in Hartford, like get, get those people out there and say like, Hey, we, we want you to be a part of this. Uh, we got some uh, questions. Uh, Yogi, what you, what you got, man. Let's see what we got here. Uh, from Giovanni Martinez, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like has a presence at audit club. Knowledge pretty They do. How many uh, other club relationships with the SUs are in tonight's panel? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let y'all run with it. What you got?
8: I guess I can take that for Nashville. I can say this, um, at least for Mixtape 615, we have a direct relationship with the club, and we have a contact to reach out with the club. Um, one of the things that we have, which you know, a lot of clubs are looking at implementing or may not have, is a uh, supporters collective. So that's where all the officially recognized SGs come together. They collaborate. They have a voice with the club. For example, last week I was sitting in headquarters, you know, giving ideas about the new stadium that's coming, giving input, um, Black History Month. Obviously they reach out. Mm-hmm. Number one is, you know, it's obviously a good visual for them. But number two, it's also a good opportunity for us to interact with them to talk about what's going to happen for the rest of the year, right? And how do they remain engaged? So at least for Nashville, um, the supporters collective has been really embracing each other. We have a Latinx uh, supporters group. We have three other officially recognized supporter groups and then we have the unofficial supporter groups. But at least for the official supporter groups, we do have that direct line where if we need to press something with the club, bring an issue up, um, if the messaging isn't right. Right. We can look at being reviewed at what's going out into our community. And we have the opportunity to even, you know, correct a lot of things before they go out to our community, which is very important. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, one of the things, like I said, uh, Black History Month came out last month. And there were some particular themes or some imagery that came out, you know, in some of the initial renderings. And they said, hey, guys, you know, we have these things that we want to display. We want to do a patch, commemorative patch for Black History Month. Which one do you guys really like? Like, what's your input? So that was really helpful. Because through us looking at that, you know, we could take that and take it as an educational opportunity to say, well, you know, for this particular patch, I would not represent, you know, an entire black community with this particular image. right? Let's not do that. (laughs) Let's not do that one. Right. Let's let's think about something that's more appropriate because, you know, we don't want to put, you know, my entire community in a particular class. Right. Or different tropes. So it's very important that you have a relationship with your club, that you have an open line of communication and that they receive the feedback. Right. Because at the end of the day, um, this is all about analytics. Right. We talked about, you know, where they put advertising, what communities they put that in. Right. There's a revenue. There's a dollar amount that goes direct in hand with that. So it's not only just, you know, race, but it's also class. And then it's also about Showing the numbers of hey, we have a large representation of you know African Americans in the city, uh, don't give up on you know one third of it, right? Right, right, I mean, right. It doesn't make sense from many different aspects.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Now, I know, um, Jake with Black Fires, the uh, the relationship with I think both the the the, the parent, the umbrella group with Section 8 as well as the fire itself has been. Tenuous at best, would that be a way to describe it?
2: That's a nicer way than I'd put it. But <laughs> like, um, I think for us, like in terms of the club, it's actually really funny. Um, I think a lot of 2020, which I think the groups that have existed are going to know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of pain points we brought up with our club. Um, and it felt like screaming into a void. But you look at what they're doing now, the fire in particular, and it's like, it's like, damn, they got it. Like to the point where they're doing better. They're doing more for black people in the community than the supporters are. And I think that goes back to our relationship with Section 8, where having any type of relationship to the club automatically makes you suspect. I think it goes back to what people were saying about how things have been the way it's always been and things like that. I think people don't realize that the way that worked for them doesn't work for everyone who's after them. So yeah. for us, we have to have a better relationship to, with the club because they have a more of a voice to reach out to the people that we want to reach out to. Um Section A, is, it's not to put them under blast, but they've shown that they haven't been able to do that. Like They've been around for so long we're just now coming up and it, it, it's looked like whiteness the whole entire time. So, um, I think that and like, I'm from a red star's angle too. Cause we also are like, we're in with the red stars. Right. Um, it's a bit like, I think like what Doug said, and it's actually funny. Like we're so much in the same situation as, as Rose room. And so many, like we're basically like in the same that, boat in a lot of shit. Mm. um, Ours is very similar in that we have a very, very, very supportive group in Local 134 and the club. Um, but they tend to spin their wheels because they're not, they don't know how to reach out to anyone who's not rich and white, basically. So mm-hmm. yeah, shout out to two of closet But <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's just like overall for us is like, we're, we have a great relationship with the club and the, the fans, particularly fire fans, kind of don't understand how we operate, and because they don't understand, that means they automatically
0: dislike it. So, mm-hmm. now I know, Josh, uh, with uh, with with tigers, um, and thirty two fifty two, like like uh, is the relationship more so through the the collective, or do y'all have a d- direct relationship like, with the club? Like, how like how does that dynamic work?
3: Yeah, man, it's, a, it's a mix of both. I'd say um, we, like um, like the folks over Nashville, we have uh, in, an independent supporters union, um, mm-hmm. a council made up of 10 recognized SGs, but I guess the recognition comes from the club as a mix of, and a mix of the independent supporter council. Mm-hmm. I think we have gone above and beyond to make sure that the two entities are separate so the club doesn't have oversight into our elections, onto our policy. But of course, you know, we're in the same boat together. We love this game. We love this. We came through for this club together. So um, we try to involve each other in all the discussions. So yeah, we do have good connections with um, the front office staff who have for the most part been great. And I think it's, uh it really speaks to the diversity of employees at who are employed by the club as well. Like not only on just, you know, like selling hot dogs and games, right? But like at, creative director level at president level, there's there is um a really depth of diversity there. So like the the even the patch equation we're talking about before, right? Like that stuff is checked at the door because um the creative director is black. You know, and like that's shout out to my guy Marcus who who's always does an incredible job repping not only the LA community, but I think the black community in LA trying to trying to bring the community in. And so that's I, I have a great deal of trust that goes that way. I think Um, as supporters, what we, what we tend to fight for is, um, I mean, this is another, another, uh, Pandora's box, but like what the politics of sports look like and what we get Mm. involved with as a, what the supporters union is comfortable getting involved with versus what the club is comfortable getting involved with. I think that, I think as we go on with, um, you know, players taking the knee, um, fighting against uh, racial discrimination and violence, like that's something that we can step to together. But I think. Having, um, the supporter union take the lead on that has been, has been really, uh, kind of to the, kind of, kind of been a good job from the club. Being like the supporters lead that and we'll try and help you as many times as we can. But
0: sometimes you do need, um, a bigger message being sent out like that. Absolutely. And just quick shameless plug. Uh, me and Skye had the opportunity to be on Josh's, uh, FCFC podcast a few weeks back. If you had us already, make sure that you check out FCFC. That's a dope conversation and, and dope tease, dope tease. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, I wanted to get, you, uh, Jermaine on the next question. Um, uh, like, how was the, uh, first initial conversation to have with the front office, like once uh, you guys launch. I want to start with you first, but I'll open up everybody else.
7: Yeah, it's um. So so we're still trying to build uh, that relationship with the club. Um, you know, I kind of want to want to pick back off of where uh, where what, what, what brian was saying about Black History Month, right? And that it was like mm-hmm. an obvi- obviously the club reached out to you guys for Black History Month, right? And I know we're still a month old, right? But the club didn't do anything for Black History Month. Right, didn't Mm. didn't do a post, didn't do a patch, did nothing, right, nothing. And so we're kind of trying to figure out what our relationship with the club is, right? Um, So a lot of our initiatives, we're doing it on our own, right? We we have a group together and we're tossing around ideas to talk about what we can do. Um, We took some of these ideas uh, to this meeting our you know our first meeting with the the front office we had on last week Mm -hmm. um you know i mean i mean it was a good meeting right it was was very informative they told us about the different processes about how to go about certain things and of course they tried to tell us all the things they were doing in the black community already and so we're still trying to figure out how to navigate that relationship right If, if the club was doing so much in the black community already then there wouldn't be a score of black people saying we don't feel represented by the club. <laughs> right.
5: Right, um, right. Right. If
7: you all were doing so much in the community already, you at least would have did a basic, basic, basic happy black history Month folks, right? Like something. So there's, yeah, again, we're trying to figure out what that relationship looks like. As of now, we are not officially recognized. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
7: something I'm interested in hearing about from other, from the other black SGs, like, is there a process? To become officially recognized and so you know all of that has to go into the conversation about gatekeeping as well right like you know we we brought up these different ideas about oh we you know we should have chants that reflect you know black miami we should have a trick daddy chant we should have whatever and the response often seems to be the same response which is it
0: needs to fit the culture of the club I mean, there I absolutely like, has to be a sh- a, sh- a, shut- a shut up chant. I mean that that just seems like automatic, right?
7: It's, and yeah. that's the thing. And that's the thing, right? It's not like we're not trying to force anything, right? Like, <laughs> like Miami's black. Like we're not trying to force it. We're not trying to like just, you know scramble and look for black people that likes football, right? Like mm-hmm. it's there. Yeah, it's there. It's, yeah. there. it's I, I, a I deep community.
8: I would say this. If you call yourself Atlanta United, if you call yourself Nashville SC, if you call yourself Inter Miami, then it's not about <laughs> the club's culture. It's about that city's culture. Right. Because at the end of the day, you are a rep. if you're going to claim the city, you have to represent the city in every neighborhood in the city. That's the only way that the club is going to survive. So it's important to kind of leave that mark upon the club that, you know hey, you guys can have this facility in Fort Lauderdale, or we can have this place in the fairgrounds of Nashville. But guess what? We won't show up, And right? And one of the things that's really been powerful for us is that, you know, every SG is going to be different. But if you have a really good supporters collective, they will stand with you if something is wrong. And they will say, you know, this is wrong, and we won't show up to the match, right? So that's right, the power right. of, you know, uniting and leveraging those relationships with those other SGs, you know. Everybody has their own place, everybody has their own objective, everybody has their own whole role in this, right? But it's really the power of all of you coming together because there's a financial impact. And at the bottom end of the day, that's what this is mostly about, right? In the US, it's pay for play, right? It's, right, it's, right, it's, like, right. Right. it's not only pay for play, but look at how
4: much did David Tepper pay for Charlotte FC three hundred twenty five million dollars. Hello. To make that investment in cash mm-hmm. and to want to see a return on that cash sooner rather than later. Right. He can't cut himself and none of the owners can, especially the later owners who paid more money, cannot cut themselves off at the knees by going, I'm not going to advertise to this demographic of my city. Atlanta is 51% black. And like what? Greg said, they don't advertise past a certain place. I don't see advertisements at the AU Center, which is literally a mile from the stadium. Hello. So that don't make no they, sense. They algorithm themselves out of profitability by going. We only go places where we see these people. Therefore, these must be the people who like our sport. Therefore, I don't need to spend my money elsewhere. When, mm-hmm. if you ask anybody, their top five soccer players of all time, at least three of them are going to be people of color. But there's that disconnect between the player on the field and the supporter at the stand and then add in where the decision makers spend their time in our respective cities. And that's where we have this huge problem of teams going, Oh, we did something. Yes. You threw $10,000 at a soccer pitch. Cool. But that's literally less than the bare minimum. What about Mm an advertisement? What about player outreach? Mm -hmm. What about giving, giving kids a ball and saying, Go home and play with this and put it an into Miami, Atlanta United, Nashville SC brand on it. Let the kid kick it around. And then you know what? In 20 years, you might have a player. But at this point, you can't even get an advertisement on a public transit bus. And that's a huge problem. But I think yeah. I was
1: so I had a whole thought. Like, it's like the way they market soccer in this country is they act like it's the NFL. So they're trying to replicate NFL models. But this is soccer, yeah. it's a global game. And so they're not like, Recognizing you gotta get everybody named Mama to wanna come to your stadium. And so then this lack of even understanding that like, I played soccer in Atlanta. Like it was wild to me when the, with the, uh, Atlanta beat wasn't marketing to black communities and they played in her the stadium at the time, which is in the AUC. Like, you gotta recognize who your, who your populations are to make the money that you complaining that you're not making. Um, but this lack of understanding how to leverage the supporter groups, operating in this white vision dream broke model like it's like you're not embracing the culture um or even in understanding the concept of how supporter groups can be so powerful and changing what your how your team impacts your city and even generates money like leveraging you know the different the diversity within supporter groups that could possibly occur to figure out you know how do you get black people how do you get latinos how do you get asian people into the spot um this like total disconnect because everything's been done from a white, white lens is part of the bigger overarching issue. And so it's like frustrating. Cause like, even for me out here trying to ask people, Hey, you want to come to a soccer game? You know, people not realizing I'm getting black people saying, I didn't think soccer was for me. Cause it looks like a white sport in mm-hmm. the United States. Right. Or I ain't never thought about going to a soccer game. Cause hell I played, but like I was never going to be on a national team or playing college. And so these are things you got to fight through. When you even in a city like Los Angeles, where you got a lot of black people, but how are you gonna get people mm-hmm. to the game beyond? Okay, we got a bunch of black people on the team. Like, right. it's like recognizing all these things, and so then understanding you need to have the different diverse faces that encompass your city to appear in different groups. So, yeah.
0: Definitely, definitely. I I think that um uh, to kind of piggyback on on Kurt's uh, statement, like. Again, the AUC is little like not even like a mile from, say, the stadium, and like the advertising just isn't there. And like, like I mentioned earlier, like you go south of twenty, is is essentially non-existent. And I think I mentioned in one of our one hundred different chats, like it's amazing that we have showed up the way the way we had in spite of. That lack of outreach uh, to the community, of course, you have things like soccer streets that have done a great uh, a great deal of outreach. But again, like it, I always say, there can always always be more, always be more. Uh, shout out to uh, Phil for that last uh, comment about official recognized uh, supporter groups. Yes, that that whole process in itself is definitely something that, yeah, it could be a bit a bit cumbersome depending on you know if you got the numbers if you got the the, the money coming in and all, and all that 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 could be a whole conversation with, with it itself but uh be a shout to uh bill for that um, see so what what other questions we got here yogi uh, while while we wait on that course um, just to kind of about next week uh, next week on FTC UTD uh, we actually have a, a episode dedicated to our week uh, weekend up in um, Charlotte uh for their first game last week against LA galaxy. It's a dope experience. Um, like uh, Kurt said, Davis Tapper put a lot of good money up, up in, uh, into just that whole experience. And I'm sure for those of y'all who who saw it on Fox. yeah, It's, uh, it's, it's quite a bit. Of course, they come down here uh, to Atlanta uh, this weekend and um, yeah, we, uh, we should uh, have a, uh, have a good time there. Uh, Hold on, like I said, he got something. So let's let's see what we got. One, what you, what you got, man? Uh, da, 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 da.
7: If I can add something while we're waiting on, yeah, it. yeah, go, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You know, I do want to, I do want to be clear, right? Like, inner Miami does a great job of reaching out to the Latinx community, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're deep. Like, shout, shout out to Vice, the Vice City. Like, yeah, like, like they, 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 saying, they do it. No, absolutely right. Like in the context of U.S. soccer. Right, Inter Miami is is doing a beautiful job bringing in an underrepresented community, right? In the context mm-hmm. of U.S. soccer, the thing that I guess really bothers us as Black Karen's is that the history of Miami football, the history of Miami soccer, is deeply ingrained in the Black community, right? Like going Very back so. to the 1970s of the North American Soccer League, right? Like the like Miami Gatos and the Miami Toros, like their MVPs of the NASL were Black players, mm-hmm. right? Like again, so like this isn't this isn't something we're trying to force. And so we know if the club can do this incredible re- outreach to the, to the Latinx community, they can do that same type of outreach to the Black communities. What you got, Doug?
6: Uh, something to go back to a point Josh had about the diversity within the FOs. One of the things that changed the direction for DC United for us that has been huge has been when they hired Danita Johnson as mm-hmm. the team president. That. Right changed course on things so much in terms of relations with the supporters and the direction where the team wanted to go. Her background, there were people saying like, oh, she doesn't have a soccer background. What does she know about this? And I'm like, if anything, that was better that she doesn't have a soccer background. Her background is in the WNBA, which frankly, I think applies better here than anything else. And that has been tremendously helpful for our relationship with DC United on that front, which was in the past was not great. <laughs>
9: Kyle, you've been quiet. What, 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 what you got? I don't know why I'd be called out like this. All right. But, no, I guess I can answer some of these previous questions. In terms of the relationship with the front office, I think with Madison, and this is more of a lower league soccer benefit, is the owners and the players and the fans have a really close relationship. Because if the owners don't have the fans show up, the own that team will go broke. It will fold. It will not exist. So they need the fans to be bought in. They need fans to have input. And I think we've had we've been able to have that conversation with the owner since day one. And, you know, yes, the ownership has made mistakes. Um, but they've also tried their best to make sure, like, going into Black History Month, they're the one that's they're at least initiating the conversation. They for Juneteenth, they in 2020, they were saying, Hey, we're gonna have a culture night. Like, what do you guys think? What should we do? Unfortunately, COVID kind of threw those plans out the window, but then you kind of jump back in 2021, and they're like, all right, we're gonna do this again. How do we do it? And I think it was because of that we were able to have that Juneteenth celebration, you know, having black owned restaurants provide the food at the stadium, having Mm -hmm. a black band play, having a black woman sing the black national anthem and the national anthem. Having something like that, along with, you know, we were able to collab and make a scarf. Chris does an amazing job working with them. So I think we've had that benefit of being in lower league soccer. That we didn't have as much barriers with communicating with the club because the club, that is, like I said, the club has to listen to the fans or they will not exist. Um, so we've been lucky in that regards. But in terms of officially recognized, I think we that's one of those where if you want to make it work, you're going to make it work. You know, we've been lucky with the flock and Featherstone. You know, the flock oversees all of it. The only time really you have to go through a process is just if you need money. And that's just more of a hey, this is what we want to do the board votes on it. The board's going to say yes. If the board doesn't say yes, shit's hits the fan and we're probably going to have a huge shit show and lower league soccer. But no, I think it's just, it's interesting listening to everyone else's just because for my perspective, being in that lower league soccer, where it is a lot more closer relationship between the fans and the front office, it's been easier for us, but we've also, again, been lucky that we've been there in the front office's ear since day one. Absolutely. And
0: uh, on the note of a uh, collaboration, um, of course, uh, uh, Tigers and Black Fires have done collaborations before. Um, I know, of course, we we I would be remiss if we didn't talk about just the the internationally known Henny Derby with with Ford yeah. and and and, uh, and Race for Kickers. Um, what do we have to look forward to uh, uh, this year uh, in, for the Henny Derby? Like I said, hopefully, now that you know most of us can travel now. Most of us got 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 up. Like, what what um? It's been a while since we've been able to to congregate and everything. What's uh? What are we got look forward to this year?
9: Thankfully, now that uh, USL has a more balanced schedule, it actually makes things a little bit easier. So Richmond and Ford Madison will play three times. Hopefully, Ford Madison wins it, and if not, then we might have another coach get fired because that's been the history. If you don't win the Henny Derby, you end up getting fired at the end of the <laughs> season. Um. Thankfully, we have three matchups, so the first one is going to be in Richmond, and this is the only time it's in Richmond. That's going to be Saturday, May 7th. Then the second matchup will be June 23rd. That is, unfortunately, a Thursday in Madison, so if anyone mm-hmm. wants to travel and stay up for the weekend, feel free. Otherwise, I think the big one, the finale, uh, this is going to be the second-to-last match of the season for both teams, and that'll be Saturday, October 8th, and I feel like that one like, could have huge implications, not only for the Henny Derby, but also playoff positioning in general, and... You, you will get another bottle, Yogi. You will find a way. If you get swept, you are making another bottle, damn it, because I want that <laughs> shit back in my house. <laughs>
0: uh, at, at least y'all have a schedule. I mean, uh, have, do, we, do we have an individual schedule?
5: Listen, like, like, <laughs> we have no famous. schedule. It is March, and we still have no schedule. I'm waiting for it. You know, some people like me, I work on the weekends, so I have to plan myself accordingly and take PTO in in order for me to go to a game. A lot of people are waiting on these to book vacations, trips, especially if they want to go to away games. We're all sitting here waiting. TikTok NWSL, what are we doing?
6: She's got Alex Morgan now responding to tweets.
5: I'm famous now. Yeah. <laughs> she out here. I'm out
6: here. <laughs> uh, there was a
0: question that uh, I think Yogi. Uh, have posted one second while I dig that back up. I know there was uh one question that uh, I think Rich uh, p- uh posed as far as just like like what can supporters do as far as just to better market Black players, Asian players, Latinx players. Like, what can the supporters do from that? Because like, because I at least from what I've learned through the growth of the Shea Butter FC podcast is that a lot of people, a lot of teams aren't giving players of color, much of a platform at all. And, not at all. Not, and, uh, not like, at so all. Like, what, what can the supporters do from there just to kind of help elevate and, and give everybody their shine?
5: Um, oh. I mean, well, go ahead. <laughs> no, you got it. Um, to me, I know with the spirit, they have just kind of, I know, especially with ownership change and things changing in their front office, um, they actually – put out, I think it was last week. They are doing a duo for the DC United and the spirit. They're doing a duo for tickets and they yep. used Trinity Rodman, which I don't know what y'all been waiting on to use Trinity Rodman to market her. You have black players who are on the team that you a have not given a voice to and B you're not using them in any marketing at all across the league. We're not using it. And we really crazy to step that up. It's insane to me that you have so many talented black players in the league and we're not using them at all for any sort of marketing
1: high key the blessed players are black but that's neither here nor there
5: <laughs> neither here nor there also let's uh, talk about the black women's player collective that's another thing yeah I yeah yeah, yeah let's get in the because they're not highlighted like they need to be either right and they um, don't even have like the support they need as they should
0: Hopefully, we we can fix that this year. I know uh, Jake had a point I know he's been sitting on for a hot minute. Um, what you got, man?
2: I mean, this kind of goes into a grander point of what Jermaine was saying earlier about being officially recognized. I think, really, the most important marketing, the most important bringing spotlights onto things is like what we're doing now. I think the most important soccer supporter collective that I would want to be a part of is this right here. Like, if your club is giving you shit, if your supporters are giving you shit, like I know I've fallen back on pretty much everyone here to like get us going to like get ideas for how to approach certain situations. Um, I know we make our own noise with our own players with like Andre and people like that. At the end of the day, I think like really a relationship with the club and a relationship with your other supporters that are there, that are kind of like making things hard for you. Are kind of secondary, like the best support really I find is like with, with y'all and like getting ideas with you guys. Our collab with me and Josh was super sick. That got people like looking at what we were doing. Um, so really, I mean, I think the end of the day, which was, which is actually really cool and answering the overall question about like marketing and bringing noise to what you want is just like the homie bringing it up with you. I mean, we're about to make this rivalry with. Do gloss this week and risk. Um, you just gotta do your own shit like Kyle and um like Kyle and Yogi did. Like at the end of the day, people are gonna see. I think the one benefit of soccer being so white is that it's kind of boring. So like anything that's not boring is gonna get is gonna get people's eyes on stuff. So I'm gonna shut up.
3: shout shout out to jake and the black fires fam for you know what what i think is a is is a good kind of tie into to to all this is like football language and football culture is so rich but there's because you can add on your own flair to it so right when you're supporting black players players of color bringing in tifo trapo all that of your player likenesses shout out to black fires for all their Incredible tifos with just fucking liberation messages across, like hanging in the stadium. I was I was just so inspired by that. I mean, fu- fucking footy mob and Atlanta United when that when we played you when we played y'all at um in uh, at the bends and y'all rolled out the fucking the south got something to say fucking tifo and it, it punched me like in like in the gut of how good that shit was right and it was just so revolutionary because like we've been we've been not scared but like that's for a lot of our supporters like that kind of hip-hop language is not the the primary one so we haven't leaned towards heavy towards that but seeing that in such beautiful color come to life i was so inspired by that i envious of it jealous of it you know and jimmy i think you 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 uh spoke to like people being afraid of like the culture of the club being like muddled up by like a new message and i think we talk about gatekeeping, man. Like we we came in a, a season or two ahead of you, right? And I think our supporters, some of the older heads, and even I've noticed that I recognize in my own group that kind of um, personality of being like, "Hey, we did it right once. This is how it always has to be," and that's not true at all, you know. I think second season on, I just had like a RIP Nip just a double up mindset, being like, "We need to. This game is so big for us. The city's so big for us. We can continue to to kind of win people over by trying new things, right?" And I think. When you talk about the culture of a club, and we haven't been here for twenty years, like Fire, I've been like, it's like, hey, everything's on the table still, right? Like we honor what we did so far, but we really, truly have to to be innovative in in terms of winning our communities over to this game.
0: Absolutely, uh, you know, if, if nothing else, uh, you know, what I, you know, part of like what with with my podcast with FTCUTD, like one one of the mission goals was to get. This type of situation happening where, cause I think like for a lot of us, what we ran into, like, I think when we first started going to games that you think that it's just, it's just you and you just think like, hey, like, I might see another, another person of color. Um, like, like I know, uh, me and, uh, Jake and Phil used to joke about, uh, pictures that would get posted online. Like, how many black people are, are in this picture? Like, you know, like, okay, I see, I see three to possibly. See just to just to put some spades up into it, but you know, like this is what this is what this should be all about is just like having that opportunity to network and connect and, and know that you're not alone. It's you're definitely not alone, and you know, there's more of us out there. There's always more of us out there, and again, it's just all about bringing those. uh those people in, into the community and then let them know that, Hey, like you have, you definitely have a space here. And you know, I try to support as many of the crew as possible, footy mob, Richmond forward, black fires. Um, I know I got, I got about three different uh tigers, uh scarves and everything. And like this, like, you know, just if nothing else before we uh wrap up here again, just, you know, continue to, to support each other. Hopefully we, we, uh, everybody can do more collaborations in, in the future. And, you know, let's, let's say, let's keep growing this thing. But, um, let's, uh, give each other some, some final thoughts. Like, like, what are your goals for this year for your group and this community? Of course, to get with us finally be able to congregate, we, uh, we might be able to get some things done, which, uh, let's, uh, start with, uh, Doug and then Russ.
6: Um, I hope this, I hope. Events like this just get other people watching and think, well, why don't I have this in my own community? I hope they see this and decide, fuck it, I'll do it myself. Because that's what happened with us. I see what TSG, I saw what Black Fires, did, and I thought, fuck it, let's do it with us. I hope someone else watches this and does the same in their community if they're lacking that kind of space.
5: Um, I think just to piggyback off of what Doug said, you know, the same thing. Um, for me personally, I, I hope that we have a better relationship with both of our teams and working to, you know, market their black players and to market, you know, their black supporter group, they know that we exist, but I think it's really important for us to be seen as a supporter group. So I hope that that's something that we can do.
0: Uh, Let's go with Kyle. I won't make it last this time. I'll make sure to click. What you got, Kyle? All
9: right. I I guess one of the biggest Mm -hmm. things I'll highlight is There is no one exact way you can do it. Obviously, look at what everyone else is doing and get motivation for that and then try and put your own spin into it. And I think the other thing is if you genuinely put in, obviously, people will notice the work you're putting in. And the more you can try and do, obviously, everyone, this, again, like we've said, we're doing this all for free. So we're going to definitely do our best, put in that work. And kind of like what Doug was saying, like, you know, it's funny because like Chris down in New Mexico. You know, he went and saw what we were doing and decided to do his own thing. And, you know, everyone, I think, gets the motivation and just see what everyone does and then put your own spin on it. Obviously, do it that relates to your city, do it that relates to your club, do it that relates to your community. Uh, Jake, once again,
0: suns up. What, what you got, Jake?
2: Uh, I think mine is there's a comment that happened a few seconds ago about black SG culture being a big family. And that's, I think, the biggest thing you can really, that I've gotten out of doing all this. Like when me and Phil started seeing all the other groups that came in and seeing all the other things that we can learn from seeing all the awesome people that we can just like just show up to the city and just hang out with people, share ideas. And I think we, I think us as people of color tend to have to think further along because that's how you get by but it's nice just going to a city like we're about to do in DC and just enjoying the game and having fun. I think that's really the most important thing that we have to get out of this is just making sure we're constantly doing that too, instead of continuing to just stressing about everything about the future. So I think that's just as important too. Indeed. Indeed. Brian, hop up in here. What you got?
8: Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, I just want to thank everybody for the opportunity just to sit here and collaborate and share ideas with everybody, right? But, you know, I think, um, for each one of our SGs, we just have to remember, you know, that, you know, we are, you know, a loud black voice in a predominantly white space, right? And so when we say that, we have a certain responsibility, right? Not only, you know, representing ourselves, but our community and our community interests. So I think we just need to continue to kind of press that, right? And, what we've learned tonight right through this podcast is that we're not alone, right? We have other s g e s that are of a similar hue that are fighting the same battles right globally, mm-hmm. not just here, right so we need to uh you know continue to collaborate continue to participate in conversations like this because through that you know there's real power and the opportunity to elevate mm-hmm. and to be heard right so um so yeah. I think one of the first things that I did, you know, as I became president of this particular SG is I reached out to the footy mob. Right. Because they were close. Right. They're right in her backyard. And we saw a lot of things that they were chronicled on and a lot of things that directions that we wanted to take, you know, um, from their example. Right. Um, But then, like you said, we wanted to do our own thing here in Nashville. But, you know, I, I think we're in a very unique space. I think we are a minority within our own community. And we just have mm-hmm. to remember that and keep on pushing forward. Right. Because we're at the beginning of this and, you know, we want to think about, you know, what our initial you know objectives are, but we also need to think long-term and what we're doing in our communities, how we're building the support and who's going to replace us right when we're gone.
0: Mm-hmm. From the rocking chair of retirement, uh, what, you, what you got, Kurt? For me, I got to say
4: that for anybody watching this, existence and presence is a form of resistance and anybody that's trying to keep you out of the stadiums is paying the exact same amount for a ticket as you are. So your place is just as valid as anybody else's. Well, for people that are in this room and are SGs already, remember to share the sports from a place of love because people are going to pick up on your love of it. And then they're going to want to be a part of that. So that's how we grow this by sharing something that quite frankly sells itself, but the culture is like this thing of the love that we can give to other people and really make this much bigger than it already is.
0: Cool. Cool. Appreciate you uh, coming through with us. Uh, Josh, uh, what, what you got, man? Yeah, man. I think
3: this year for us, I really want um, more of our group to to go out and meet, meet everybody here. Right. I want, I think going to Atlanta and seeing, you know, Doug, Doug and um, even uh, Jake who, who, whose teams were not playing that weekend to show up right, and, to right, right. and hang out. I felt such a, like, a, a kinship, right? Like, we're, we are the, the soccer supporters of America, and I, I've never felt so uh, so aligned with people that i never met in my life before. So I think for us to, as travel restrictions, lift, like, actually have that kind of face-to-face um, kind of connection and know that when you're in L.A., like, please, please hit my line. Like, you guys are always welcome, you know, at my pad. You'll, we'll, we'll do a K-Town day together, K-Town night together, more importantly. And then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep celebrating this thing. And, and Sky, I got to come see you. Sky, there's no excuse. Me and, me and Sky are about like five miles apart right
0: now. <laughs> we're looking yeah, forward to that. Absolutely. And um, Jermaine with the new kids, uh, Black Herons, uh, what you got, man? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're
7: just trying to, you know, keep building, uh, trying to increase our membership day by day. Uh, we had a Black History Month series that focused on Black football in Miami or in the South Florida region. Um, we're doing some work with Little Haiti FC, uh, trying to get into more Black communities. Um, for Juneteenth, Footy Mob, Kurt, let's link up, uh, Inner Miami versus Atlanta. Let's make this happen. Let's, you know, let's do something. So we're just trying to just do the work. You know, we're just trying to do the work and, um, you know, establish a presence in the community. And this has been great. Um, you know, Inner Miami, you know, talks about La Familia all the time, right? But, th- you know, this has kind of been really, you know, the, <laughs> You know the best family that Black Herons has. You know has, has been a part of uh, thus far. Everyone on Twitter, everyone on social media, uh, like right, like the day before we launched, right, like we reached out to as many of you guys as possible just to let y'all know, like we're like, you know we were launching and y'all just showed us you know the you know the greatest support. So thank y'all, you know thank y'all for welcoming us with with, with open arms and
0: uh, we're going to continue to build. Absolutely. Again, I'm I'm glad that you guys are fouling in, in in the mix um, in Miami. I think that. The black community in Miami with inner Miami is definitely something that needs to be hit hard. Uh, I mean, given, given the makeup of Miami, I'm, I'm sure, uh, uh, Scott could probably get into that as well. We, we know it's, it's, it's very, uh, mixed and, and, um, and, uh, oftentimes fractured, but, uh, it's something that still needs to be, to be hit. And, um, yeah, uh, Scott. First of all, that's a very nice lot line of uh, hoodies you got there behind you. I, I know I, all I, I, these I, I, hoodies
1: from FTC, even some custom stuff. You see a Kristen Press jersey behind me. Like you yeah, got yeah. a crystal gun, <laughs> you got all kinds of stuff. A C <laughs> Pandemonium. What you what you got? Okay, so I was gonna say thank y'all all to everybody on here today. Um, all the work y'all do in whatever SG you're in, particularly black, PLC, SGs, y'all's voices are much needed and representation, so keep fighting the good fight. And, you know, we all about see, at Shea Butter, we all about breaking down doors, knocking down gates, banging gates down, making new gates, making new stuff, making new chants. So, I mean, a big thing and part of why we had Rose Room, Black Fires, we started a document because we really want to help do a support thing or, like, build a way of connecting no matter where, if you're an MLS or you USL, NWSL, to help Black fans, Black supporter groups stay connected, keep fighting a good fight um we're trying to do a network of some sort we're working out what that looks like but um part of why i wanted to be on this one today is to see and hear some of the things y'all are going through um but to also provide support in whatever capacity we can because you know collective action is mad powerful in changing things and just being able to see ourselves goes a long way and so there's so much we can do um love to collaborate with everybody um, we can do some crossovers at some point um, for sure if you haven't been on Shea Butter FC. But yeah, looking forward to what's coming up. We got mad stuff cranking out very soon. So yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, with like this episode here, this round table here is. The quintessential example of what I say at the end of every FTC episode, where I say the culture's real, the culture's everywhere. Like this is a living example of that. And you know, whether it's here in Atlanta, LA, Madison, DC, I said everybody got their own flavor, and it's something that belongs in this community. And I can't be any more thankful to have all of you come on, on the show with us uh, uh, this week. Uh, um, Again, uh, you'll be able to hear this episode both on the Can I Kick It feed as well as the FTC uh, podcast feed. Um, again, uh, thank you to everybody that's uh, been able to show up. Before we had it here, let's uh, give it to the boss that uh, that made this all happen,
9: uh, <laughs>
0: Mr. Yogi. What's good I'm with not you boss? the boss. I'm just here yeah man this this, is pretty good man Uh, so hopefully uh, we we can do some more of these and uh, and, and possibly even in person and possibly even in a hotel where the clerk won't be checking us for for every five minutes That is very true. That is very true.
10: Um, No, but real quick,
0: um, I'm just very thankful
10: uh, for everyone that was able to join in and be a part of this uh, collection thing. This is something that we throw on annually. Every year, we have a round to about a certain event, a certain topic. Um, And this one really hit home for me because I am the quote-unquote supporters group president for the River City Red Army for the Richmond Kickers. Um, And all of these people, I've spoken to about certain things that came up uh, how do I deal with a certain situation with things like that and you don't realize like Gregor, like you said you don't realize how many people have gone through a situation unless you talk to people mm-hmm. um, and you almost get a sense of feeling of alright I'm not going through this by myself so um, I just want to thank those people for everyone that has been watching the show sharing the show um, I want to say thank you to you guys because definitely without you uh, this show would not be possible without you guys and we love putting the content that we put out there so um, to wrap things up because it's getting late <laughs> um, if you just take the time out of your day um, make sure you follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Can I Kick It FC um, you can also donate to the show to help us out monetarily all the money goes there um, and up well, so like you said, it because I need to put the banner up there. <laughs> um last thing but not least, you can also follow this guy's great show for the culture united. Um, also our brother and sister podcast, two Cents FC, Chain Butter F C, um, and also Comic Colour. Um, yeah. So with that being said, guys, be easy, be safe. We will holler at you guys later.
5: F-T-C-U-T-D.